and Ren and Corey in the house. My name is Bryce Henderson. I'm one of the co-hosts of this podcast. Uh, today we'll be discussing uh, not an episode of Corey in the house. This is a bonus <laughs> episode where we will be discussing three Disney Channel original movies all starring uh, Corey in the house's own Jason Dolly. Uh, and with me to break down all three of these films uh, is one Renan Fontes. Ren, how's it going? Bryce, we are doing great today. We're so excited to talk about these movies. <laughs> um we being oh so i meant me me is so excited oh oh okay phew um oh, what was that no, i'm not gonna tell bryce that oh see um i'm sensing ren a little bit of uh what makes me think of fight club um esque <laughs> personality uh situations going on here are you okay are you talking to someone who isn't there Sorry, Bryce. I'm just talking to my alter ego, Jizz. That's J I S. All right. Uh, so, with that, then, uh, coming up, we have uh, seven things in your toilet that are that are really <laughs> killing you. Oh my gosh! So I can't wait. Uh, we have the three films running. We have Read It and Weep, Minutemen, uh, and uh, Hatching Pete. Did you like any of them? No. No, me neither. I didn't. Um, I, I, so I thought much each to... one was worse than the last. Did you, And did you watch them in the order that we'll be talking about them in? Yes, I did. I watched them in the order they released in. Okay, I watched them in... Um, so I had watched Read It and Weep uh, on my own time, believe it or not, Ren, about probably a year ago, like uh, when Disney Plus was still a little bit in its heyday uh, mm-hmm. at the peak, in like the peak of the pandemic, I, I was like, yes, let's watch some Disney Channel original movies. And um, yeah, so I, I put that one off to watch, rewatch last just because it was most fresh in my mind. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, enough. no, they're bad movies. I can't, can't wait to talk about them. Can't wait to talk about the Jason Dolly of it all. The Jason, ugh. Um, yeah. And also, we are introduced to multiple Disney Channel stars who are, are kind of in other shows on Disney Channel at the same time frame as Jason Dolly is involved with Corey in the House. And it made me feel very lucky that we got the cast that we did. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so before we dive in, Ren, how are you, how are you feeling after last week's um, live Brace and Ren and Blink in the House tournament? I'm excited to see what'll win. I thought last week was a ton of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, not having Corey this week was not as pleasant as I expected it to be. But I'm looking forward to a post-Corey life. Yeah. Yeah, I, I am too. I think that I, I had a lot of fun. I had a ton of fun last week talking about these different shows, doing all the homework and getting all set up and ready. Uh, we have our final five, which... Uh, is a, a batch of shows, all of which I, four, four of the five of which I'm feeling um, like pretty excited about the potential yeah. of podcasting uh, about. So, but hey, you gotta have, there's always that little element of chaos and random, which makes it fun. Yeah. So, uh, good. Uh, and so otherwise, Ren, 
anything else that you want to you want to talk about before we, we kind of uh, dive in we have the newsletter that'll be coming yeah, out the soon. newsletter <laughs> i gave you the uh i went through our q a section yes our fan our fan mail inbox uh, right that's where they came from yeah mm-hmm Yes. And so good. Yeah. I'm excited that the world will get to see our answers to some frequently asked questions. Uh, we have some games, some puzzles. Uh, it'll should be fun. I, I think the goal is to try to get it sent out by the end of this week. So folks can, can have that to look forward to on their radar. So uh, fun. And uh, I mean, otherwise, Ren, are you ready to talk about some, uh, some Jason Dolly? A lot I of Jason ready. Dolly. I okay. am ready to talk about Jason Dolly. And we get more Jason Dolly as we go. We do. Yes. He he starts as the best friend love interest in the first film. And then in the next two, he has he's like the main character who has the best friend love interests. Yeah. So shows his true growth over time and value in the Disney Channel universe. Uh Ren, real quick, actually, before we dive in, um, I just remembered that I did want to say one thing for housekeeping. Um, what that was is that it was brought to my attention this week that there is an episode of Hannah Montana, uh, which has President Martinez and Sophie in it. Uh, we got to watch it. I don't think uh, we should do a full episode on it. But, you don't think uh, so? Mm, I mean, we, we, we can spend a whole week with Hannah Montana. Is I mean, that... we, we spent a whole week with Raven. We did, yeah. But it was... Um, when we did That's a Raven, it was like the buildup to the podcast. But now like, we're, but we're, we're going for the whole Corey experience, though. Okay. Play the game. I mean, I was thinking we could watch it and talk about it for like 15 minutes or so. But if we want to, I mean, if we want to go all in on this episode of Hannah Montana, we can, I mean, we can throw it onto the schedule. I think that's what the fans would want. Okay. They'd want us to, because I agree, we do need to address it. I think it would be uh, unprofessional of us to not talk about the episode but okay uh cool so we can um we'll fit it in maybe towards the end all right sound good sounds good all right uh so let's start if we're looking at the jason dolly disney channel original movies we watched um our game plan ren is i'm gonna set a timer for us for 30 minutes okay uh for us to talk about each of these movies and let's start with his earliest uh, read it and weep. Okay. Uh, any any initial thoughts from read it and weep? I I disliked it. It was a <laughs> bad start, and I didn't expect it. It kept getting worse. It's a movie <laughs> that just kept getting worse. There was one point at I think it was the forty five minute mark. Yeah. Where I was so sure it was coming to an end. And I paused to check the time and there was still 35 minutes left. It's aggressive, isn't it? It's exhausting. It, it's in all three of these movies have the exact same problem when it comes to their last act. They just, they're so overstuffed and they take so long trying to resolve every little thing one by mm-hmm. one and not in a, an order that really makes sense or helps the story flow. Yeah. It's kind of like they're just checking off boxes. Uh, they allow these they allow these characters, uh, this is just like the structure of at least the three Disney Channel original movies we saw, um, to, they allow the main character to to really, uh, like, self-destruct, um, over time, and then, 
uh, get into their conflict, and then all they got to do is just talk it out, and everything is is hunky dory for the most part. Bryce, I'm uh, very yeah. going to ask you. Yes. Do you find that the problems that our protagonists go through are relatable? Okay, so let's let's ask that question for each of the movies that we go through. Uh, so in this case, read it and weep. Uh, quick, super quick summary: a girl, uh, her personal journal becomes a worldwide bestseller after winning a uh, essay contest at her school. Uh, she becomes like famous. Uh, her best friends, who uh, she's always been really close to, end up. Uh, kind of despising who she becomes. And then in the end, she drops a bunch of seaweed on some people and is loved by all. Okay. Uh, so your question, Ren, uh, of are these problems relatable? No. <laughs> Their Disney Channel has a very strange idea of what children go through. And I feel no. like all these movies have an element of power fantasy to them. Like Read It and Weep especially your private journal became a bestseller. Now you're the most popular person in school. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So the way that they talk about this book, so she, she writes it as she like casts everyone in the school, all these like school archetype characters as different uh, fantasy based characters in her own journal. Right. Yeah. And when it gets released worldwide, people are acting like it is the next uh, like Harry Potter series. Like, uh groundbreaking and i have no confidence in her writing skills i don't know if you caught this during like the interview monta montage mm -hmm. but there's one point where jamie who is the main character says uh yes is is a character yeah Th that's it that's her analysis All she has to say about it yeah so she uh the character of is and jamie so jamie writes even herself into the story that that she makes um where her the main character's name is is and she has the ability to zap problems away and that's all it does There's and no, like tangible explanation of what zapping no. is and it's supposed to be inspirational so it's really like wow the way that she just stands up to that bully and zaps them away like there's no strength in that <laughs> uh and just like snapping your issues away there's nothing impressive about what she is doing the character of is uh, so I, I don't understand why this world that Read It and Weep takes place in is blown away by her ability to just zap things. The thing that baffles me more than anything is the fact that this whole school is just into this book. They're all, like, they're not only all into reading, they mm -hmm. all like reading the newspaper and they all <laughs> to read their peers' book. <laughs> Ren, did that not happen in your high school? Every single last person would be reading the same book at the same time? I think like less than 10% mm -hmm. of my high school class enjoyed reading mm -hmm. for fun. Well, so you also have to remember, uh, based on information that was given to us in this movie, it uh, ends up on the, like, the English curriculum at her high school. It's required reading, Ren. It's... This book, this girl's it. journal, required reading. Mm -hmm. Let's talk about the characters a little bit. Yeah, let's do so it. Can... Oh, I have a little cast list up. We can go through okay. them one by one quickly. Yeah, I do too. Okay. All right. Uh, Our lead, Jamie. Mm -hmm. What do you think about Jamie? Uh, so she is, we're, I, we're definitely meant to see her as like the quiet, relatable kind of nerd uh, who yeah. she has her small group of friends. She 
isn't popular by any means. We see her get bullied. And uh, she's, I think she's just meant to be that, like, that person who we can identify as, as the viewer. And be like, oh, that was me in high school. Uh, she's whiny, though. And bratty. She's very whiny. Yeah. Uh, her life is pretty darn good. And she doesn't see it. Her family's got a cool pizza shop. Her brother Lenny plays guitar. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, so that's who, who Jamie is. Um, bland, kind of. Um, but luckily, Iz spices her life up. Iz is actually played by uh, Jamie's actress's sister. Mm-hmm. They are Kay and Danielle Panabaker. Yeah. Uh, it... What did you think about their dynamic? I don't understand it. It's weird, right? Mm-hmm. I, I kept expecting... Okay, so for a little bit of context, throughout the movie, Jamie speaks to Iz as if Iz is physically there. If you've seen Scrubs, it's kind of like how JD interacts with his fantasies, but if like he physically acted out and said everything he was imagining, mm-hmm. and people respond to this. They acknowledge the fact that Jamie is talking to herself, usually not through like dialogue, but they turn their heads and they physically see her speaking to herself. <laughs> Like, part of me knew it wasn't going to happen because it's a Disney Channel original movie, but I was kind of expecting, like, is it going to turn out she's sick? Yeah. No, like, right? So someone's got to address this. And, I mean, uh, we do kind of see her melt down on live TV. Yeah, I really thought that was going to be, like, a turning point. Yeah, but, I mean, otherwise, we see, like, even when she, at the end, she wins prom queen or whatever, and we see, like, the camera pan effect of, like, it passes behind someone's head and then reveals like is is right next to her and then like passes back and is is gone like we see sometimes is so jamie is right next to is and they're having a conversation and then there's other scenes where is just straight up replaces jamie yeah it's uh, uh, it's like a jesus christ and god scenario they're one in the yeah. same <laughs> the, the the body and blood uh they're all the, the Father, same. the Son, and the Holy Son Ghost. Of the Holy, Holy Ghost. So let's cast that then. Um, so let's uh, dive into this a little bit. So the Father, um, who like who is God here? Jamie made Is, or did Is make Jamie? Jamie created Is, but Is has more power in their relationship for most mm-hmm. of the movie. So yeah, Is is more of like the 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 deity here. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so Is is like the the Father. Jamie. Uh, naturally than the sun yes like and interacting with the world and the holy ghost uh, her tablet her <laughs> the actual book mm-hmm. which spreads the gospel which in, in this scenario <laughs> it's both the holy ghost and the bible now yeah is it so based on how many copies of this book we saw floating around in people's hand we can assume that this is outsold the bible right absolutely and what concerns <laughs> me about that fact is that Jamie's family's pizza parlor is like failing throughout the whole movie, despite the fact that she has literally written a New York Times bestseller. Yes, and well, and because the only people who go who end up going to the pizza restaurant are people who are fans of the book. It's like the, on the off chance that they will get to meet Jamie. But like and, theoretically, the money that Jamie is making mm-hmm. should be enough for her parents to use to save the restaurant. Yes, but I, so the mom is like a stage mom and I'm pretty sure she's pocketing 95% of it. That's reasonable. She definitely gave me, gave me that vibe throughout the movie. Yeah. Uh, like, so let's keep really going through these. in the dad's pizza. Yeah, let's go. Th- so the mom and the dad here, uh, we have, uh, who is it? Ralph and Peggy. 
Yep, Ralph and Peggy. Ralph is played by Tom Virtue, who you might know as Steve Stevens from Even Stevens. Mm-hmm. Once he also a contender. had a very small role in Resident Evil Village recently. Oh. Um, yeah, I only see him whenever I see him. He's always, that's the dad from Even Stevens. Yeah. Uh, so in this, he, he owns a pizza parlor. His thing is like weird pizzas. And, and it's weird, it's weird pizzas. You can't choose the topping and every night is a different topping that you are forced to have if you are, if you order a pizza. Yeah. So, uh, Burger King is successful because it's like, have it your way. You can customize your order. Right. right? I would, I would expand that to a more broad sense and say that restaurants are (laughs) successful because you are allowed to order what you want to eat and you have options. (laughs) Nothing's more fun than going out for pizza and being handed a pizza that has liver and, what is it, liver and onions? It's liver and onions. He has chicken feet for one of them. Yeah. Mm -hmm. On top of the pizza. And then it's like, well, you got to eat it because you already, I assume that they make them pay before they get the pizza. Yeah. You you order a pizza and then it comes out. Yeah. Or maybe that's what the, maybe that's what the issue is, is because it's a failing pizza business. So maybe it's like they're delivering all these disgusting pizzas. Um. And then they're expecting people to pay for it. But they also at the same time have the, like, if you don't like it, don't pay for it. Customer service model. Ralph is just a very bad businessman. (laughs) He's terrible. He's hemorrhaging money right and left. Uh, Well, I mean, at least he's doing something. As far as we know, Peggy is uh, not, like, we don't know what Peggy does. The mom. She hangs out. Mm -hmm. She's around. Nags her husband about the failing pizza business <laughs> she's like the bookkeeper is she i'm sh- she it seems like she's she controls the money like all of the money all of the money this she's also, well she's also pocketing the restaurant's profits that's why they're doing so bad <laughs> but she's financially she's doing great personally she's, she's, she's gonna coast through the divorce just really, yeah really really good um she has yeah she's ready for that divorce she has a second house purchased um fully paid uh tom there's no way uh a ralph i'm sorry there's no way ralph can support the family when you know he can barely pay off that house but she's bought a second one on her own well it's okay in the end because lenny comes home covered in seaweed which he then drops all over pizza and people love the dirty seaweed that was on the boy for hours (laughs) and it's all people who came from the dance where seaweed was just rained down on them so they know that that seaweed like traveled from the dance to the pizza that they are eating uh they're where they're well aware that this this seaweed is well traveled um yeah so lenny is her brother he also right? in hatching pete did you catch that Oh, who is he in i didn't i, I didn't make that connection who is he in hatching basketball pete? players he's one of the okay. really dumb ones um yeah that doesn't doesn't surprise me he, he does not have a picture on imdb so i believe that he's um not one of the breakout stars of this movie hatching but was he, actually the last thing he was ever in yeah right rightfully so <laughs> i think i think he probably found better ways to spend his time um so in this he plays guitar and he's like he's very good right but he doesn't believe in himself. No, no one does. No one believes in him, except Jamie's friends who are like, oh, your brother's really good. Right. That's, that's all we get out of it, though. 
Yeah, and then uh, his story comes to uh, fruition when he gets to play his song at the prom. And I thought it was a Bowling for Soup song. <laughs> sounds like it. It's, it. It sounds just like a Bowling for Soup okay. song. On the subject of songs, did you also get really <laughs> weird vibes from the makeup scene before the dance? The makeup scene before Like the when dance. she's getting ready and it's all slow and sensual and they have that romantic song playing. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's strange. <laughs> like, it would... At that mm-hmm. point, I was already just losing my patience with the film. Yeah. So to be hit with that was <laughs> going into the finale. I was I was sour. The tone shift. Yeah. So uh, so we have her brother, who um, although Jamie doesn't believe in him, uh, Jamie's two best friends do. Harmony and Lindsay. Yes, and we've seen Harmony before. Uh, she was one of the Ashleys in Corey in the House. Yep, blonde Ashley. She was blonde Ashley. She was the one who we don't know why, but did not like Corey. Uh, we assumed that there was. Uh, well, that's what. Yeah, that's what you pitched. Um, and then otherwise, yeah, we haven't seen her. Uh, seen they're her weird else. characters, right? So they're one and the same, right? Like I, I, I didn't really understand. I got what they both stood for was like human rights, world rights. They're both the activist characters. Yes. But which their it, activism is so vague that it doesn't matter. It has no meaning. Yeah. Lindsay uh, at one point flips out. They're at like a carnival. What? Uh, where are they? Is it a carnival or something like that? Where they, they're trying out makeup and Lindsay flips out on the salesperson and the salesperson is like listen like i just sell this like i didn't make it and Lindsay's like i don't care you're endorsing it she's like sure valid point but she like loses it on uh on her but then when she has like her protest later she's not mm-hmm. even protesting a product she's not even protesting a specific company it's just like, the, the broad stop animal testing it doesn't mean yeah. anything no yeah <laughs> it's, it's a very wild idea of what a protest is. And we see them, um, so they, uh, it's, the story arc of this movie um, reminds me a lot of the Princess Diaries. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, Princess Diaries does it a lot better, but in the way of, like, girl uh, all of a sudden gets popular and then, like, abandons two best friends, like, doesn't follow through with commitments, and then, in the end, like, realizes who she is the whole time, whatever. Uh, but so this is like, to your point, Ren, uh, their big thing is like, oh, our rally is going to do well because Jamie's going to be there and everyone wants to see Jamie. But Jamie doesn't show up. And now you just have this massive banner on a stage and then these two girls with signs. And it's like, what a waste of your time. Uh, it's very confusing. And are they like, where are they doing the protest? Is that it's even like ever stated? Yeah, probably on like a Thursday at two o'clock, because uh, it just feels like there's there's no one around at all. They spend all movie building a whale that we don't see until the last twenty five minutes, where it falls apart and kelps the crowd. Yeah, um, I really thought they were gonna do like a straight up carry thing where they drop the seaweed right down, not like mm-hmm. the tilting back and forth where the whale no. targets people. <laughs> I think it's sentient. 
like a t-shirt cannon uh, <laughs> from from above just raining down on them pelting the characters yeah uh, i i did think that was weird they're um that's another thing that they're roped into by jamie and then jamie ditches is the like the prom or like dance committee where they need to put together this uh the whole underwater themed dance and they make this massive paper mache whale which their whole plan is for it to fall apart and dump kelp and signs on people that are like save the whales um real art should make people uncomfortable mm-hmm. she says something i mean like that right that's not exactly it but she says something like that well, so here's the thing. So we see Lenny later bring the seaweed to the pizza parlor, which implies that he had seaweed in his jacket and clothes all night long and didn't care. Well, this isn't even taking into consideration the fact that the seaweed was in the whale for hours. Yes. It's not a clean whale. I know well, it's well, a clean whale. Maybe hours, maybe days. Hours Who knows how long generous. that seaweed was in there? Yes. <laughs> so, yeah, so they, they do this. That's kind of their big thing. Uh I didn't like that they are like two in the same. I wish that we had a little bit more dynamic in these characters. And uh, so we have these two as, as friends. And then the other friend is the reason why we're here tonight, Ren. That's right. Yeah. Connor played by one Jason Dolly. Uh, so before we get into Connor, I feel like we need to talk about his brother a little bit. Well, what do you mean his brother who connor's entire story is his brother like that's anything that you have to say about connor is directly tied to his brother who owns a truck they're dynamic it's first of all his 40 year old brother who <laughs> they, why don't i don't know why they didn't just make him his dad hey sport yeah, I don't, I don't know why they didn't do that either. Uh, maybe it was in the, the guy's contract. He was like, I need to be a brother. I'm too too young to be playing a father. But he looks so old. He, he wears looks like, so old. Um, I don't know if he was, but uh, even though I just watched the movie the other day, I'm picturing him with just like oil all over his face from like car mechanic stuff. Yes, he had oil on his face. Yeah, uh, which leads us to believe that he's like, that's his thing. I, I think that he's just like a... a car fixer upper guy and that's his identity and that and he owns a truck yeah it's, um it's the laziest brother diet relationship i've ever seen in a movie it, and it then yeah all the stereotypical notes but smelly just, laundry stinky big brother mm-hmm. uh, gotta do chores to get in his car Turns out he's yeah. a good guy who actually tries to give advice to his little brother. Go yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, their relationship was really touching to me, Ren. It was special. As someone who has a brother, I was like, that's that's the real brother relationship. Do you that's have my experience? vivid memories of cleaning Jordan's uh, laundry using six-inch tongs? <laughs> yes, and having uh, like a, a clothing pin on my nose. Like, oh, this is disgusting. Yes, uh, I did. Yeah, just to to drive out the minivan one day. Yeah, it's so... That's Connor's thing. Connor's thing is he kind of sort of doesn't really uh, ask Jamie to the dance. And then he's like, oh, I need a car. 
uh, gets his he has scenes throughout the movie where he's like doing chores and so he can get this car and then Jamie goes to the dance with someone else Marco yeah whose name in her book is Marco original yeah so she changed all the other names but uh, couldn't come up with another single name for a guy so he's also he asked her near the end of the movie who he's supposed to be yeah <laughs> but I don't know if you caught it but uh, one of the friends, like, there's an offhand line early on where she mentioned that the only reason Marco read it is to see who he was. Oh, really? Yeah. No. Oh. No, he no. Well, so that's... Marco is they... also a very weird character. Yes. It doesn't feel he... like he was fully thought out. It's clear what they're doing with him, but again, mm-hmm. it's not thought out. It's like, um, so why didn't they... By him asking, like, who am I supposed to be? Is that implying that maybe he didn't actually read the book? Well, he's super dumb. That's, like, mm-hmm. his, his defining character trait is just how ferociously dumb he is. Yeah, Jamie loves him for his poetry. Uh, how how right. immediately did you catch that Connor was the one who wrote the poem? Oh, in seconds. There was not, <laughs> like, the way that it's shot, the way that they keep showing us Connor, the way that Jamie is, like wow, this is beautiful. There's no way that this Marco chump wrote all this poetry. Yeah, it's it's very obvious, Ren. Uh, he, he, yeah, he's supposed to be the, the guy who the girl isn't supposed to end up with, right? Yeah. Like, he's the, the physically attractive, um, stereotypical, popular guy. Mm-hmm. She is what, ja- uh, he is what Jamie, like, wants to attain. Mm. And, uh, yeah, he's he is not developed at all as a character. Um, so we have Marco, and the only other I, I'm pretty sure the only other character really worth talking about. Uh, well, there's one one more, uh, but we'll talk about Carla Deville in a hot sec. Uh, <laughs> Sawyer is here, the nice. bully. Mm-hmm. She is. Uh, you might know her as. Uh, someone from Drake and Josh. Why can't I think of her name, Ren? Mindy. Mindy, thank you. Uh, Mindy and Drake and Josh. So she's to here, being the mean girl that she is in that. I don't think Sawyer really is that mean, though. She's not that mean. They, they yeah. set her up as a bully, and then they never do anything with her. Like, she doesn't, she doesn't do any actual bullying until nope. Jamie, until it's found out that Jamie wrote about everyone. Yes, and then it's like, Oh wow, I, uh, it, that's another weird plot point. Mm-hmm. That it's revealed that she wrote about everyone when the whole appeal of reading it in the first place is that they wanted to see who was who. Should have been very obvious to everyone um, that that she was writing about specific people in her life. Yeah, there's um. So Sawyer is she asks Jamie if she's like trying out for cheerleading, and Jamie's like no. And this is at the beginning of the movie, and Sawyer is pretty much is like, good. I'm and really like that's about you. You don't have the flexibility for it. This isn't me being mean. It's me looking out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, <laughs> I got your back. I know that last year you did try out for cheerleading, and you almost got hurt, and it was just really scary. Uh, and I just don't want you to go through that that again. Uh, so, so I feel like Sawyer is not a good mean girl. No, she's not. And they got no. a good mean girl actress for her, too. Yeah, they did. 
So I almost feel like maybe they just uh, relied heavily on the way that she holds herself. Like they, they relied on the actress and not the actual writing here. Mm-hmm. So uh, then we see like when, as Jamie gets more popular, we of course in the high school setting, more of the popular kids want to hang out with Jamie. And Sawyer is like, hey, Jamie, do you want to go to the calls or do you want to go to the mall? Jamie's like, of course. We get a shot of Sawyer hanging up the phone and like, dancing in pure ecstasy like yeah, she is so, so excited she gets to hang out with jamie bartlett a new uh, i know it's gonna be so good sawyer uh doesn't like her current friends because they just like probably they just follow her around all the time um very one note people she's ready to uh to really be better friends with with jamie and jamie wrote a burn book about her essentially Burna? Yeah. Um, yeah, I didn't like that either. So that's the big the big reveal of the movie. The climax. As sh- uh, Jamie is losing friends and relationships left and right. It doesn't matter because her popularity is skyrocketing at a national level. And we got to talk about uh, her on what is essentially like Good Morning America. <laughs> oh my <laughs> god. This... This would go so viral in today's world if this were real. There would be reports left and right about her well-being. Yep. Um, it, it's very concerning what she does here. She goes on and she's interviewed about the book. She struggles to talk about is. She's like, I'm is. Is, is, is. Am I is? Who's is? Uh, right in front of all of America. She's pondering if she is the main character in her story. It's a mental breakdown. In it is. Mm-hmm. And then she has conversations with Iz, again, live on camera, uh, except America cannot see Iz. So she's just talking into the void. And then she reveals that Sawyer is Myrna uh, by accidentally calling the bully Sawyer. And then the interviewer is like, oh, who's Sawyer? The I've read she's like, I've read the book, and the villain's name is Myrna. So who's Sawyer? Uh, <laughs> ouch. Yeah, Jamie was not ready for Good Morning America. And they, uh they eviscerated her. They did. They the completely... letters of the editors that the students start writing against Jamie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And uh, Diana is Jamie's, like, publicist. Who pinches right? her. Her handler, who pinches her. Uh, it's, so she shows up, but it's both Peggy and Ralph, her, Jamie's parents, are confused about who Diana is, Red. Yeah, neither of them hired her. So, <laughs> uh, so is that a thing? At one point, does a handler just show up? And it's like, oh, I'm your handler now? Like a, a fairy godmother? Well, theoretically, the handler was given to Jamie by the news station who filmed the first interview. So mm-hmm. realistically, Jamie belongs to the news. <laughs> it was their way. Their way of owning Jamie Bartlett, <laughs> the local news network. Yeah, she struck me. She was a um, very loud personality in this movie. Uh, she didn't belong in any of the scenes she was in. She was like... Uh, didn't understand that Jamie is a child who's in high school. And um, she reminded me, like, so we've now seen two movies, Ren, with, 
like publicists. Yeah. Is who's better, the publicists in this or the publicists from the game plan? This is hard because the public both of, both of them hate children. Yes, I think that that's, that's a quintessential publicist thing. <laughs> you, you gotta hate kids to be a publicist. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't know. It's the one in the the game plan uh, doesn't really do a lot for him in that movie. Um, but she never but pinches he, him. No, doesn't pinch him though. So. Uh, okay. Anything else? So, like, read it and weave. What out of ten? What out of ten? Yeah. Okay. I gave the game plan a three. <laughs> oh. I am going to give this one a two and a half. Okay. What about yeah, you, Bryce? Uh, like a two. Yeah. I have a little bit of nostalgia for it. It was like a, a new, exciting movie mm-hmm. when I was younger. It does not stand the test of time whatsoever. It's not very funny. Uh, the tablet, though. We got to talk about the tablet. Very forward, very modern. Yeah. And like the way the book is formatted, uh, there's like, she draws her own uh, pictures on every page. It's It's very cool. Uh, she had like an iPad Pro, except it was like 2008 or 2007, whatever. So, uh, all right. Anything else with Read and Weep before we move on to our next movie? Would you like to hear Trivia Goof's awards and some reviews? Uh, let's get the reviews, uh, unless okay. there's like one that's really good, but I am interested in the Trivia and Goof's. <clears throat> all right. For Trivia and Goof, I'm... At the end of the night, I'll go through the reviews because I spent too much time searching for these not to read them. Okay, perfect. Sounds good. All right. For trivia, the three main actors have roles in Medium 2005. Oh. Though it doesn't specify who the three main actors they're referring to are. Yeah, is it... uh, If you were to guess, who are the three main characters? Is it just the three... Connor? Yeah, that's, that's what I would say. But Connor... Connor feels like he was written into this movie uh, in like a second or third edit. Cause he, we really don't see him interact much with Jamie. I don't know. I would say Jamie is uh, Sawyer. Maybe. You'd say Sawyer. She's in so little of the movie. If it, I know, but if it has to be three of them, it can't be one of the friends and not the other. But he's the main friend. He's the one Con- she has the big Connor? moment with. Do you hate me? No. I hate what yeah, you Yeah, that's love. true. <laughs> via via AIM, um, as she watches all of her friends, that was so dramatic. She watches all of her friends unfriend her. One at um, a time. And it's like, they're all logging in at the exact same time to be like, oh, yeah, we gotta all do that. At the, Do you think there was a, a separate group chat that was like, hey, let's all do this at the same time so she knows? It was peaceful um, protest. They they timed it. Yes, and Connor though he was not not invited. He just didn't get the memo. Here's a relevant goof. Yeah. Uh, when Connor and Jamie are chatting online, Connor types, "No, I hate what you've become." Later, mm-hmm. when they show the screen again, Connor's message reads, "No, I hate what you have become." <laughs> Does it make a difference to you? What happened? Yeah, I, there, huh? Um, just it's a goof. It's a goof. It didn't 
you know, sometimes coffee cups end up in Game of Thrones episodes. Sometimes people change words on screens in Read and Weep. All right, Mistakes here's a revealing happen. mistake. Okay. At the dance, when Lenny was singing his song that he was supposedly never let anyone hear before, you can clearly hear Jennifer number one singing along with it. <laughs> revealing mistake indeed. Yeah, who's Jennifer number one? She's one of uh, Sawyer's friends. Okay. Yeah. Do you think that we should have um should we've done a deeper dive into Jennifer number one? I feel like now that I know this, we should re- we should rewatch Read It and Weep and just do this whole episode again. About it, yeah. Maybe we um we'll... forty eight minutes we've recorded and just start over. Yeah, so she's in I'm looking, she's also in a high school musical. Who does she play? Um Brainiac Dancer. Nice. So I'm assuming she's in Stick to the Status Quo. So we could do maybe a whole podcast episode all about Jennifer. um, Yeah. About her. (laughs) Any other uh, goofs or anything like that? I'm I'm down. If we're going to do the reviews, I'm down to do do them here uh, for Read and Weep just for consistency's sake. Uh, No more goofs, but for awards, uh, Jason Dolly and Kay Panabaker were both nominated for best performance in a TV movie, miniseries, or special for the 2007 Young Artist Awards. And Jason Dolly was nominated for best performance mm-hmm. at, for leading young actor. So he was nominated as the male lead. Okay. So was he was he really like the Jason Dolly of it all? Yeah. Was he really a standout here? No, I wouldn't say so. If we weren't watching this movie for to see Jason Dolly's career... Yeah, I don't think he's he's really anything special here. Um, he is like character is just the just the best friend. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. Uh, some reviews. Okay. So I didn't go to TV.com for these today. Yes. Instead, I found a brand new website called <laughs> CommonSenseMedia.org. Sounds good. Uh, they are a publication that st- that blocks you from reading after you've read three reviews. I have no mm-hmm. clue how they have any success, but they've apparently been around for over a decade. And they had reviews on all of these Disney Channel movies. What makes them what makes this publication interesting to me is mm-hmm. that they rate movies based off like the content itself for how it's appropriate for children. So on the reading okay. page, there's the parents say age 12, age 12 plus rating. It has two mm-hmm. stars out of five. The kid, you said 12 plus? 12 plus. Okay. The kids uh, say age seven plus rating gives it four stars. And the review written by Common Sense Media writer Emily Ashby gives it mm-hmm. four stars uh, for ages eight and up. very uh very interesting that they have all three of these different reading it it gets more complex so okay so those are the ratings their next section is called a lot or a little the parents guide to what's in the movie it's broken out into six categories category one positive messages category two violence and scariness category three sexy stuff category four language Category five, which is my personal favorite, consumerism, and category six, <laughs> drinking, drugs, and smoking. Okay, so we now know what kind of where this uh, rating website is going. Yes. 
So for positive messages, Rated and Weep got not present. <laughs> for viol- So it got a not present for positive messages, violence and scariness, sexy stuff, language and drinking, drugs and smoking. But it got three circles out of five for consumerism. True. I, I don't know that. what that means, though. <laughs> what? So I would guess it has to do with, like, um, the idea of you're going to be happy if you get stuff. So, like, it's Like, it's promoting and, consumer. Like, it, it kind of yeah. takes an anti-consumerist message at the end. Mm-hmm. But it, it luxurizes it a lot. Yeah, yeah. And we see, like, Jamie gets happier because of, like, the access to people and stuff that she has. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bryce, would you like to know what parents need to know about this movie? Yeah, what, what's the, the warning? Parents need to know that this made-for-TV movie portrays stereotypical high school students, grouping them into neat little cliques, including, including populars and jocks. The only ones who escape shallowness are Jamie and her best friends. Jamie's character is strengthened by her struggles with the pressures of success. The self-awareness and confidence she gains by listening to her conscience is a worthwhile lesson for tweens and teens. Themes of friendship and loyalty are emphasized throughout the movie. Do you agree with this breakdown? So is, is the Jiminy Cricket? Uh, <laughs> is that, that's what we were missing in our, in our analysis of this movie? It, I guess at the, maybe we had to take a Pinocchio lens to it and see Jamie as a wooden puppet. In the end, the last scene when Jamie's up on stage is, is like promote the new book. Like, My she's not, yeah, she's not a good conscience. Uh, she's, like, self-sabotaging. All right, let, here's the what's the story section. Mm-hmm. So this will clear things up for both of us a bit. Uh, freshman Jamie Bartlett is frustrated with high school life. She wonders what it would be like to be popular, where Marco the Hunk might notice her and Snooty Sawyer would remember her name. To escape the pressures of school, Jamie retreats to her journal, weaving a tale about teen heroine Isabella Is, who's beautiful, self-assured, and popular, and can effortlessly zap any pesky person out of her way. When she accidentally turns in her journal as a homework project, Jamie wins a writing contest and finds her books on shelves nationwide. Suddenly, she's caught up in the whirlwind of photo shoot and guest appearances and starts to lose touch with her friends and herself. Meanwhile, Iz becomes a real presence for Jamie, though no one else can see her. As Jamie's stardom grows, her literary alter ego pops in and out of her life to influence every move she makes. Jamie eventually becomes disenchanted with her new life and in the end must decide whether popularity is worth sacrificing self-respect and true friendship. Did you interpret Iz as a real presence for Jamie? No. (laughs) Well, so this, like, these reviews are having me really think about their dynamic yeah. And is it possible that uh, that in the end, so in the end, we are led to believe that Jamie has overcome the character of Is impacting her life and she is like 100% herself. Like the only voice in her head is her own. But is it possible, Ren, that Is actually takes over Jamie's body and is perhaps like a sleeper cell who's going to wake up and uh, further terrorize just later like she's waiting and building power like Voldemort and Harry Potter well if you'll remember the movie ends with is washing dishes so the last shot we get is the real is so Mm -hmm. Jamie has transformed okay 
Yeah, so uh, that that feels very clear. Perhaps so. Maybe they've swapped bodies, um, except there there's only one physical body, and so now the real Jamie is in the the soul of Is, uh, and stuck washing dishes for the rest of eternity. It's a cruel fate, like a prison. Bryce, mm-hmm. do you want to find out if Common Sense Media thinks this movie is any good? Yeah. Read It and Weep is Disney TV at its best. Using strong characters, great casting, the Panabaker sisters are fantastic, and catchy tunes to entertain and emphasize morals. Tweens will enjoy the comedic spin on Jamie's school woes, and parents will like the messages about friendship and self-confidence. The one dull spot is the character of Jamie's mom, Peggy, who pushes her daughter into promotional situations that seem to make Jamie uncomfortable. Disney did a disservice to this lone adult female role model, portraying her as even more starstruck than her daughter. Did you get that vibe? Yes. Yeah, I already talked about it. I think uh, Peggy was in this for the money. As soon as her daughter did something successful, she saw the dollar sign. She saw an exit ticket. uh, And Jamie was that exit ticket. Before I wrap up this segment, here's what we can talk to our kids about. Families can talk about peer pressure and popularity. How do your friends or classmates' opinions affect your own? Who defines what's cool? Why is it hard to be the only one to feel a certain way? How have you stood up to the influence of others? Families also can talk about being a good friend. How might you react to a friend's sudden popularity? Lot to think about here. Yeah, how would you how would you react to a friend's sudden rise in popularity with nothing but rage and contempt Mm -hmm. yeah well would you would you if you were a friend who all of a sudden got very popular would you then invite them to something for your own personal self-gain so like if you have i don't know like a magic show Mm -hmm. coming up would you then invite that friend to the magic show in hopes that with her or him or them will come uh that popularity like everyone will go to the magic show because they're going to be there yes and if they do not come and but and if they do come and a crowd does not we are not friends anymore yes and if they don't come and no crowd does still not friends yeah so yeah on them not on you uh yeah read it and weep done in the books i didn't like it it got worse worse no, uh, definitely. This is the the start of Jason Dolly's career in Disney Channel, uh, and I th- I think Minutemen is Minutemen post Corey in the house. Did we track that at all? Boring. Okay, I think it's during the second season. Yeah, um, and so let's let's talk some Minutemen, Ren or Minute Ren. Good one. Do you like that nickname? <laughs> that was a good nickname. Yeah, uh, it's Brace and Minute Wren in the house. Okay, uh, so in this movie, we saw Jason Dolly take the lead role as Virgil Fox, who they keep calling Verge. Verge, unfortunate nickname. Yeah, <laughs> Verge. Yeah, so we have uh, a cast of characters here. Uh, the basic premise: we actually start with a uh, of kind of a flashback. Uh, in time to Verge, uh, Verge's first day of school, uh, where they uh, experience what is known later as the incident, where they are bullied, uh, him and one Charlie Tuttle, a uh, young 
brain superstar uh, who is what, like nine? Yeah, he's like a child prodigy. Yeah, he's like nine and then... He's, like, he's uh, 11 at the start of the movie. Okay, and then gets into high school. So uh, he's there. They both get bullied by the football team, uh, put into cheerleader uniforms and hung by the school mascot out front. Uh, years later, uh, Charlie and Virgil are still best friends uh, or have become best friends. Uh, Virgil has had a falling out with his previous best friend, uh, Derek, and his previous uh, girl best friend, Stephanie. They then, uh, Charlie discovers time travel. <laughs> I don't really know how else to transition into that one. Uh, discovers uh, how to time travel. Interestingly enough, they can't time travel uh, or at least they don't believe that they can time travel many years into the future, but they can travel perhaps a, a day or two into the past, right? So it's all, uh, really, it's just a couple of days into the past. There's no going way back into the past or way into the future. Uh, so that's what they discover. They then uh, get a uh, dark and scary man named Zeke, uh, who He's is a high school student. He's what? He's in succession. Oh, is he? So he's he, like, he's made it big now. He And he was nominated for an Emmy for Succession. Wow. I mean, he, he wasn't bad in this movie at all. He uh, he was the best actor of the bunch. I, I would agree with that. Uh, he is uh, brought in together. They all build the time machine. They then go back in time and realize that they can help pretty much the the, nor- the nerds or the, like, the underlings of the school uh, into better situations to either prevent catastrophic, seemingly like high school uh, level catastrophic events from happening or otherwise uh, and then uh, they open a, up a black hole by accident and have to go way back into the past to close it uh, and they close it right Minutemen. <laughs> i like i i remember mm. liking this one as a kid this is one of the last disney channel original movies i ever saw same yeah this was right in the tail end and I love time travel. Me too. I love time travel. I love Back to the Future. Um, I really, really like how they handle time travel in the Avengers. Uh, so there's like time travel as a concept is really fun. And with the unique twist of we can go back in time, but only by a couple of days. I like that. That's uh, unique. It's interesting. It puts a good spin on it. What doesn't put a good or unique spin on it is... Uh, not giving us any backstory or explanation as to why Charlie Tuttle is able to steal uh, <laughs> large amounts of info from NASA to make a time machine happen. He's a whiz kid. Right? There's how, like, how great was it when about 60 minutes in to this movie, we get the twist that Charlie stole, hacked in and stole info from NASA. Like, like, it completely escalate, uh, escalated the whole movie. This whole... Ugh. From the beginning, I was not enjoying this film. No. It, it's, it's so lowbrow. It mm-hmm. appeals to the lowest common denominator on every single level. I was telling Nicole this, but it feels like someone watched... Like, a 12-year-old watched Back to the Future, wrote <laughs> their own... Like, tried writing mm-hmm. their own movie that was just enough not Back to the Future handed it to Disney, and no one at Disney ever edited it. Yeah. And someone made it into a film, and this is what we got. They said, this is perfect. Yeah, so, uh, right, I want to talk about the incident. <laughs> okay. I, the, so, in high school, 
you know, things happen. You have days that are bad, days that are good. Uh, I would say in this case, uh, so Virgil, uh, he is like goofing off by the football field while his, his best friend uh, in freshman year, Derek, is trying out for the team. And uh, his other best friend, Stephanie, is like a cheerleader or whatever. And then Charlie Tuttle rolls around on a rocket car on the field. Right? Yeah. And it's like this zany thing of like, we get a zoom in on uh, Virgil and Derek. Derek's like, who is that guy? And Virgil's like, that's Charlie Tuttle. He's an 11 year old prodigy. And now he's in, uh, he's one of my neighbors. Like, and now he's in our class. Like it's it's the line is delivered in a way that's just they had no other way to explain who he is. He, he might as let... well be saying that's Charlie Tuttle. He's going to be my best friend after you betray me in a few minutes. Yeah, it's like they they just wanted to give him um, that uh, like he's reading straight from the Minutemen wiki of who Charlie Tuttle is, uh, and so then sure enough, the football team bullies him. Um, and they like thunderdome them. Yeah, they. Uh, <laughs> The Thunderdoming, I think, was my favorite part of the bullying. Yeah, they, they gather around him. They, like, push him around, and Virgil steps in to be like, hey, stop bullying Charlie Tuttle. And then they just push both of them around. Uh, we see Derek standing off behind the crowd, just kind of staring. And then we get a jump cut to them hung up on the statue, the, like, Ram statue, where um, they are wearing cheerleader outfits, and they're like, this is awful. And then we get a, a three years later and Charlie and Virgil are now best friends. And it's nice that the bullies went to the effort to get them cheerleader outfits that fit. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, and if I'm Virgil or like Charlie, like I'm squirming this entire time, right? Like I'm moving, yeah. I'm wiggling. I'm like, please like, don't, what is it? Like first, like, please don't take off like my clothes. And then it's also like, please don't put those clothes on me. Please don't um, make up on me. Please don't hang me on the ram. <laughs> it's super elaborate, right? There were so- <laughs> the amount of the great legs, <laughs> and the ram is up high. So what? They had to like pull, use a ladder. Maybe there was a cherry picker that they could uh, <laughs> use to put them into place, uh, just to get them there. These bullies these days. Uh, well, I think that it paid off because Charlie and Virgil three years later are frequently bringing up the incident uh, on a multi multi time a day, daily basis. Move on guys. Right. Seriously. Like it's okay. It's okay. For a couple of oh. time travelers, they keep living in the past, huh? They do. Time travel humor. They do. Uh, Okay, so let's talk. We talked about, uh, obviously, Charlie and, and Virgil, a decent amount. Derek, he's like the jock. Uh, so in the future, he's kind of like that mean jock. Uh, he's dating Stephanie now. Um, Stephanie, I don't really know why she hangs out with them, but she does. Uh, you want to talk about Stephanie? It's hard to talk about someone with no character. Mm-hmm. Yeah. She, she leaves little impression other than the trophy that Virgil must attain and take away from Derek. Listen, Ren. But like, at the end of the movie, they treat yeah. it like it was going to be like another Minutemen. Yeah, Minutemen. They, they deliberately two, two shoot minute, not to men. resolve things. Mm-hmm. Minutemen. Yeah, so, did they cut stuff at the end? Or did they 
only have one day la- left to shoot. And they were like, let's just do one more scene and this will be it for the end. Release the Spiro cut. Yeah, just do it. Um, yeah, there's got to be more to it. No, so uh, Virgil, Ren, let's just skip. So Virgil, he's a good guy. He's genuine. He's hilarious. He's funny. Sometimes uh, he picks up bags of pasta instead of, uh, what is it? Uh, pistachios? Something like that. Yeah. So he's like, he's just your your best friend. He's the guy that everyone's going to fall in love with. Uh, and Stephanie is the the girl that's going to fall in love with him. Why wouldn't she, Ren? It's his film. <laughs> he's the main character. Uh, he's the best friend. And this Derek guy... What a jerk, right? They all used to be friends from childhood until Derek just had to get ahead. No, I know. How dare he? And uh, speaking of living in the past, the extent of Virgil and Stephanie's conversations, Ren, are about their past. They never talk about what they're doing now, what, what mm-hmm. you know, what's up in their life. It's always, do you remember when we were children? Remember the bond yep. we used to share? Yep, that's it. It's just... Uh, Yes, uh, let's talk about a, that childhood birthday party that uh, we had or didn't have. It's, uh, it's it's like the writer wanted to establish that they had a history, mm-hmm. but forgot to actually establish the relationship. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. we know they they've known each other for a while, but it doesn't mean anything. Mm-hmm. There's there's no content to their interactions. No. And so now it's like whenever um, Virgil sees Stephanie in the hall, Stephanie will immediately like approach, and she just like bites her lip nonstop. Um, and we're just supposed to assume that they are meant for each other. Like there, there's Virgil's like, uh, what was Stephanie's like, yeah, I'm really into, um, what is it? Engineering, right? Architecture, yeah. architecture. She wants to go to like an architect school. Oh, and, and he wants to be a game show host. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Not up again. <laughs> so, uh, and so we get that, that's their bond that they both want to be things oh she she's public speaking she's what do you mean she's public speaking hold on i i'm i'm trying to <sighs> she is a thing with a school doesn't she hold on hold on i'm trying Unless to find I'm... her line okay she I... is trying to be an alky she says she has calculus she hates it needs it but she needs, needs to, it but she can't be an architect without it he says he has public speaking and that he hates it and needs it but he can't be a game show host, game show host. yeah the script was formatted weird so funny so funny uh so that's who stephanie is right so she's just like the love interest here uh derek he's he's the bro stephanie's significant other uh who is uh did you think it was interesting disney has a whole cheating plot here that's right (laughs) disney has a very intricate uh infidelity storyline yeah uh to the point where do they am i correct do they say the word make out in this movie I don't know, actually, but that, I'm that's, pretty sure given, they did. Given the subject matter of the film, that wouldn't surprise me. It, it seems to, it seemed to touch on like racier themes than Disney Channel would normally allow. Yeah. Uh, so Derek says that he's getting French tutoring from, I don't know her name, Jocelyn. Is that her? Yes, it is Jocelyn. Okay. The other one is uh, Jeanette. Yes. And so Jocelyn and Ste- uh, and. Derek have like a thing and Stephanie knows it's happening but she like doesn't pretty much like doesn't want to admit it to herself and then yeah. 
finally like gets the proof and she's heartbroken. Uh, but luckily Virgil's there to like help clean it up. Uh, but Derek finds out. So <laughs> there's the reveal of like Stephanie finding out that they can time travel. What is this? The, the whole I don't like anything about the time traveling in this movie. What does Stephanie say at first? Because Stephanie's like, there's only one way that she would have known that certain things were gonna happen. And he thinks they're psychic. Psychic, yes. Uh and they say it at the same time. So Stephanie says psychic and Virgil says time travel. And Stephanie's like, oh my gosh, you're a time traveler. Uh no questions, really. Like they've been friends for so long. Mm-hmm. Why would he lie? Yeah. I'm like, okay, that's just who he is now. And so now that word starts to get out. Stephanie tells Derek about the time traveling situation. Derek uh, wants to tell the boys. Yes, Derek does. He's like, the boys are gonna love this. Like we can win our games. Uh I mean, based on how they play, I don't think I don't think any time travel is gonna really save save. <laughs> this isn't games. even the worst of the sports we're gonna see tonight. <laughs> no. It gets so much worse. <laughs> So uh, Derek comes up with this great idea after he gets in a fight with Stephanie and Stephanie wants to leave. So Stephanie wants to leave Derek for Virgil pretty much because Derek cheated on her. Yeah, she she caught him kissing Jocelyn at his house. So, so Derek goes to Virgil and is like, hey, will you time travel and help me get back together with Stephanie? Specifically, right? me, he's like- asking Virgil to stop Stephanie from catching him. He's not asking yeah. Virgil to stop him from cheating or anything like that. And Virgil says yes, like hesitantly at first, but he's like, yeah, I'll do it. it what? It's the classic dilemma you have to consider. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not going to rule out your point of view, Derek. Yeah. No, it's... So he, he says yes, and then, uh, of course, it's a Disney Channel movie, Ren. There's got to be a dance. The uh, right. under the sea fifty. They, they they basically just do like a make it back to the future. Back to the future. Yeah, uh, like even the music was uh, rem- reminiscent to that of like Johnny B. Good from Back to the Future. Yeah. And they uh, so it's at the dance. Virgil and Stephanie are there. Virgil is like, this is everything I've ever wanted. I'm so happy. And Derek's like, hey, let's go time travel so we can undo this whole situation. Virgil uh, goes off to do it. And so this is like, we get, this is Virgil's whole storyline. The NASA versus Charlie of it all is like the other thing we got going on. Uh, I feel like we can't even call it a thing. It's barely a plot. mm -hmm. We see the scientist like discount Ryan Reynolds a few times. Mm -hmm. Oh, uh, why? uh, What are you referencing there? The fact that the one of the scientists looks like a discount Ryan Reynolds. Oh, just this looks. I was thinking um, they were going for like the um, the scientists from Back to the Future. Uh, like what's uh, what's his name? Doc Brown. Newman. Newman. Not Back to the Future. Jurassic Park. I'm sorry, uh, I said oh. the wrong movie. Um, yeah, uh, I don't know his character's name in Jurassic Park, but the like Newman guy. We can go with it. We'll go with Newman guy. But do you know who I'm talking about? I do. There, there was the Newman guy, and there was uh, the uh, Ryan Reynolds guy. What? Yeah. Uh, 
Hold on. I, now I got to know his name. Uh, Dennis Nedry. Nedry. Yeah, Dennis Nedry. Yeah, so we have like we have these two who are operating uh, and looking for what? Like shifts in the time-space continuum? Maybe. Uh, so we have all of this. Charlie Tuttle is, is like back and forth with them. Uh, all right. Any... And then Zeke... <laughs> He's <laughs> Zeke gets popular overnight. Uh, Zeke's like a, he he has a motorcycle. Yeah, he rides his hog. He's always playing with uh oil and metal parts. Mm-hmm. Always gearing this... up. <laughs> yes, and as things get better for the Minutemen, uh, known as like the snowsuit guys by the larger school population because they wear snowsuits when they time travel because it's cold. Uh, Zeke has like these two girls that uh are like really into him Ezekiel X. yeah we don't know if that's like because of the time travel or like what's going on there uh but there's that and like this movie is jam-packed with just like there's so much going on the jp manoa of it uh jp manoa <laughs> of it all uh, his ever double vice principal character our double deaner is here um, he, he refuses to help the children because it will <laughs> imbalance the natural order of things, mm-hmm. which ends up being like the message of the movie. He was the vice principal was right. You yeah, should don't not upset. try to change the status quo. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I did not look at that perspective. Message. Mm-hmm. He's yeah. We uh, initially learned that this is like his way of thinking when there's a nerd physically trapped in a vending machine yes the bullies at this school are incredible red <laughs> they like, have an elegance that you just don't see on television anymore no no bullies like i like what pushing a kid into a locker easy just the kid opens up the locker you push him in done in this they gotta get the vending machine key they got to get the kid in the vending machine. They got to close it without the kid putting any limbs in between the door of the vending machine. Uh, incredible stuff. It's art. It is. Uh, and Vice Principal actively uses this vending machine while this, this nerd is stuck in, in the machine and is just like getting food around him. Right. So, uh, yeah, he doesn't want to upset the natural balance. He's also excited to get like a model. Is it the model that he's excited about? Yes. I was so for 20 years working at the school, he gets a choice between a model of the school or a gold watch. Mm-hmm. He chooses the model, which <laughs> of course gets destroyed. <laughs> yeah, it's a, uh, would you, which would you choose? <laughs> right. Oh my, Ugh. like, I can understand the like maybe he just had such an intimate attachment to working at this school that yep. he really wants the model to capture a moment in time. Mm-hmm. But the fact that he just has it on display in the in a busy hallway, yep, he's asking for trouble. And there's nothing protecting it. It's like made out of like it's like what styrofoam. It's styrofoam. Like it's gonna go bad in a year. Yeah. Uh, and he has it displayed there. Of course, the Minutemen run through it. And that's when he he decides that he has a personal score to settle with the snowsuit men. Um, he will kill them if he must. 
if he has to. I mean, you got to do what you got to do. All right, the only other character that I really wanted to touch on, uh, Jeanette. <sighs> so irritating. Her thing is birds, Ren. Her stupid thing is birds and liking Charlie. What's new, Cockatoo? Yeah, sh- uh, she is a confusing character. She is like into the nerds, but she isn't a nerd. Do- I- we don't know if she has any friends. Maybe she- like, is she just happy flying through high school solo, which is very possible she could be. Uh, and-, and she likes Charlie. Right. How does the time travel not affect her? Uh, what do you mean by that? Like, it doesn't influence her memory the way that it does everyone else. Uh, she's in the room. <laughs> room That's- logic? Yeah, I don't. Th- there's no other way to explain it. Speak. Uh, the room is a a vault in the basement of the school. <laughs> uh, that I thought that was a fun detail that we see the kids open up a bank vault that is in the basement of their school, which they then use as their base of operations. Um, their base of operations. Yes. So, uh, what else about Minutemen? I'm gonna let me let me check out my notes real quick to make sure that there's nothing else that I'm. Uh, really, really missing out it on feels, here. It feels like a jumbled mess. Yeah. It's not clean. It isn't clean. Um, let's see. The machine is very Honey, I Shrunk the Kids-esque. Yes. Yes, it is. Um, the black hole. Charlie hacked and stole from NASA. Like, that's something that just... Uh... Oh, robot, robot Man. That's right. Yeah, it all so, begins with Robot Man. Yeah, naturally, if you're going to go back in time... like, So let me ask you this, Ren. Like, if you in, uh, were, had access to a time machine, you could go back in time one or two days, what would you do? I would win the lottery, Bryce. Well, like, so would you actually? That would be your, your thing? I don't know. I feel, you know, winning the lottery would solve a lot of problems, especially if you can tax it out, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, know, put, a little, like, put, put some money in savings, you know, just have like a, a, an, an income without having to work. Mm-hmm. It feels like uh, one of the most in per, potentially inconsequential ways to mess with the time space continuum. Right. And it, I mean, even, though, it, even their butterfly effect for the robot man winning the or the whole <laughs> robot man situation, it's so minuscule. Charlie yeah. overreacts. Yeah, it's like so. What? So he went. Um, hold on, let's paint this picture. They go. So Virgil's thing is, I want to go back in time and win the lottery. Okay, uh, I think it's a great idea. I had asked myself as a viewer. Okay, these are kids in high school. They probably can't buy a lottery ticket based on whatever state they're in. Yeah. Uh, and in this case, they are able. They're not able to. So they. Uh, ask a robot man, a robot street performer, um, in the same way in 30 Rock that Jack Donahue gets, uh, Donaghy, I'm sorry, gets attached to a silver painted robot. The kids in this case do as well. Uh, and he essentially gets, does he get the ticket for them? <laughs> he buys the ticket. And he holds on to it. And then the next day we see on the news, robot man wins the lottery. Uh if you are robot man and you win the lottery, are you giving up that lifestyle? <laughs> I mean, I'll be, I'm going to use the money to finance my lifestyle. 
So I'm like, like, I'm gonna more... bring Robot Man to a whole new level. <laughs> Robot Man Vegas. I'm gonna use the kind of silver paint that killed the Tin Man. <laughs> In a, I picture like so. What is the next the next big thing for Robot Man here? Is he gonna he's gonna uh, go on tour, city to city? Is he going to still perform in the streets? Is he going to rent out theaters? He's going to stay in the streets, but he's taking the show on the road. Yeah. Um, he'll probably spend a lot in advertising. Right? You want people to be hyped up that he's coming. He's got to get a handler. <laughs> well, he already got one just by virtue mm-hmm. of having that much money. Yeah. <laughs> the lottery. Like, assigned to him. <laughs> I love handler logic. I really like that handlers are just given to anyone who makes X amount, like over X amount of money. Um, it's just the nature of our world you wake up uh the day that your bank account reaches over what what are we like 500 grand i don't know what handler money looks like yeah 500 yeah we feel like that's that's the handler money grand Mm -hmm. if you go below it does the handler disappear they fade out of existence okay like back to the future style to tie it back into this yes and as slowly too yeah, so it's like uh, if it if the bank account gets at like four hundred eighty five thousand dollars, it like he starts to uh, like the handler will start to lose their fingers. Yeah, and then it's like you got to get it back over five hundred k so I can get my fingers back. Um, yeah, okay, I'm into this. Right, <laughs> really into this. So Robot Man, yeah. So his butterfly effect in uh, Minutemen is he like gets into a, he gets a nice car and then he gets into a car crash. But he's fine. The car is damaged, right? Isn't that the extent of the butterfly effect? Like he crashes into the vice principal, the vice principal, and mm-hmm. then a cyclist crashes into Robot Man, who Robot mm-hmm. Man then sues. Okay, which is fine, <laughs> right? Like it's you're right. It could be far worse. It's not like we're getting a a Robot Man style Biff Tannen future. Yeah. Um, like, maybe Robot Man shouldn't be suing. He could probably settle this amicably. You know, it was a misunderstanding. Yeah. I don't think Charlie has to react the way he does. He, yeah, so is that the... Because that happens, is that what makes Charlie say, like, we gotta stop tra- time traveling? Yes, that is exactly it. <laughs> I don't like this young Sheldon-ass character. <laughs> He's, he is obnoxious. Right. He has so annoying. Mm-hmm. Like, it's like they tapped into every irritating little kid trope they could have. Mm-hmm. Yes, he uh, he's like the kind of kid who I think his character just wants to eat pizza and play like video games every night. And yeah. for whatever reason, Virgil, who is a like four or five years older than him, is okay with that. He's like, yes, I would like to hang out with you and do that. He loves his little best friend, who he clearly yeah. hates spending time with. Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, the Minutemen. Oh, oh, Bryce, I have to point out my favorite scene of the movie. Yeah, what was it? When Virgil goes to the party and is dancing, having the, having the time of it, of his life, and then it cuts away and it reveals that Charlie lives <laughs> across the street and he's <laughs> watching Virgil dance after they had plans that night. How dare just, he? Everything this movie reveals just somehow adds a shittier layer to the whole product. <laughs> yeah, I don't think there's a lot of people who live in this town. Um, and so the climax of it, right? So let's 
let's kind of start to wrap up this Minutemen yeah. conversation, Ren, uh, before we we go into the the goofs and the review piece that I'm sure I'm sure you have. The yeah. so the climax of this to fix the black hole that they have opened. Uh, they need to go back in time, and it just so happens that it's the same day as "quote unquote" the incident. I like. I know that these Disney Channel movies aren't <laughs> striving to be anything more nuanced than they, you know, they really need to be. They're entertainment yeah. for kids with these simple, easy to digest messages. But this era of Disney Channel, this Corey in the House, late mid to late two thousands, it's. It just seems like no one gives a shit about the writing at all. <laughs> no. No, they, yeah, they clearly did not care about the consistencies here, about making a movie that people are going to enjoy uh, watching or seeing. By the time that they go into the uh, portal, I don't know what to call it, into the time, like time vortex. Forecast? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're like celebrities. Right, so they're like walking there. There's like a whole crowd gathered around them. Listen, if I understand that, uh, which by the way, I think it's absurd that NASA realized that there's a black hole opening up and they still send the three kids. Um, they're the I don't only care. ones familiar enough with the equipment. Yeah, that's what they say, right? They're they then they're the other uh, rationale is that these kids have time traveled before, so they've like done it before. But there's nothing to it. There's nothing that a group of four, five, I don't know, 20, like, individuals could could do. Um, yeah, so I think it's absurd that they, they send these three. And they're heroes. They walk down, like, a hall of people who are, like, clapping for them, cheering for them outside as they're about to go into the vortex. Um, but if I'm one of those people and I understand there's a black hole opening up, I'm not hanging around rooting for these snowsuit men. Yeah, I'm going yeah. home. I'm going to go see my loved ones. The fact that none of those children were breaking down in tears, Mm-mm. unrealistic. There should have been terror on all their faces. Yeah. Uh, so forgive me here, Ren. I, I definitely watched the movie. I wasn't even on my phone, so I definitely <laughs> saw this. What did, they, what did they do to close it? What did they do to close it? Yeah, I know they go back to the day of the incident. I know Jason Dolly wants to prevent the incident from happening, yeah. and then it's up to Zane and Charlie to do something, and then Jason Dolly groups up with them, and they go back. They go. So what Charlie does when he goes back in time mm-hmm. is he, like, downloads the patch for the Vortex into it. That's really it. Uh-huh. That's so stupid. Like, he just kind of sits there, and... It, there's like a download screen that appears and it mm-hmm. loads up to the hundred and then it closes the vortex closes the black hole yeah um charlie was about to ditch uh virgil in the past by the there's way there's no time we have to let him die yeah <laughs> zane's like uh yeah zane's like what about virgil and charlie's like it's too late for him like he's gone i'm sorry and then virgil pulls up on a rocket car like two seconds later uh, so Thank Charlie's didn't show up any earlier. Yeah, <laughs> I would not have been a. I would not have given them a ride if I overheard that conversation. I would have saved no. myself. <laughs> well, that's okay. We're gonna go back into the the present, right? They're gonna make it back. They close the vortex. Uh, all is well that ends well. Um, some people have their memories 
shifted here, right? Um, Some people don't so remember anything at all. Yeah. And others, yeah. It's, it's, Have deja it's vu. Strange. Uh, so Virgil has a conversation with Stephanie where, uh, well, at first he talks to Derek and he like tells Derek off kind of, yeah. uh, half-heartedly. And then boy eating lipstick since you love it so much. <laughs> was that? <laughs> yeah, it was, um, sorry, I watched three movies. Is this the line that's like you two have, yeah, that is it. It's like you two have so much in common because you both. <laughs> Uh, like lipstick so much it's, what it's oh i don't know i figured you're both so good with lipstick you'd make a perfect match is that does derek wear lips I... it's because they put lipstick on uh virgil and charlie during the incident oh so that's absolute reach um here and again jason dolly or sorry virgil three years <laughs> later still being attached to this incident and if i'm derek i'm like what the he- like what are you talking about um that's why he gives i that's why he would give the reaction that he does it's not like that's a an upsetting comeback but i have no clue what you're talking about um yeah so virgil then gets does he get kind of gets the girl no no he doesn't they're like friends (laughs) minute minute men's like setting up the idea that there's going to be more i mean it's there still could be right (laughs) (laughs) This movie's only what? Uh, uh, 11, no, 13 years old. So we'll flash There could be a minute men too. We'll check in how they're doing. Mm-hmm. Charlie Tuttle has made teleportation, right? Because we learned that there was really nothing going on in that space. Yeah. So he's made teleportation. Him and uh, Jeanette are now married. They live in. Uh, you ever see Jurassic, no, Jurassic Park 3, the like pterodactyl cage? Alan. Yeah. <laughs> um, so they, they live they live in that in the giant pterodactyl cage from Jurassic Park three. So Jeanette can talk about um birds all the time. Uh, I assume Zane is probably in a biker gang. Zeke. Zeke. <laughs> Whatever. I don't Eric care. Eric is in a loving polyamorous um, relationship with Stephanie and Jocelyn. You don't th- so you don't think thirteen years later or they're probably Virgil's probably still talking with Stephanie about their childhood, right? That's still the the baseline of their relationship. Well, what we don't see is the week after the end of the movie where mm-hmm. Virgil tries to connect with Stephanie on a deeper level, but they just can't. <laughs> really sad stuff. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, perhaps also it's possible since Virgil brought her that bag of raw pasta that Stephanie um, got sick. If you, yeah, if you eat raw pasta, there's a chance you'll choke. So I don't, it's possible Stephanie is not in the sequel. (laughs) Um, And that's something Virgil, Virgil wants to go back in time to prevent him from ever giving her the raw bag of pasta. But Charlie Tuttle doesn't think it's a good idea. So, all right. Uh, What, what is um, this website? I'm sure that they are very into Minutemen. Common Sense Media? Yeah. All right. Here's what parents need to know. Uh, they actually didn't do any of the little uh, little blurbs at the top. The different uh, mm-hmm. positive messages, violence, and scariness for this one. They did give it three stars, though. Oh. 
Fun time travel comedy tweaks social stereotypes. This was written by Will Wade. What parents oh. need to know. Parents need to know that this made-for-TV Disney movie is heavy on social mishaps. Characters are frequently and needlessly bullied, though many of the victims are rescued by the heroes who go back in time to prevent the incidents. Some of the bullies antagonize their victims simply because they like being mean, and some characters see their social status climb because they choose not to defend friends who find themselves on the wrong side of the jock-geek divide. That said, the movie's message is to show people how people can transcend that kind of stereotypical labeling. I disagree. In, pre- in execution, that is not the movie's message. No, it is very wrong. much stick to your label. I, yeah, because the really Derek came off like on came out on top still. Yeah, he's not he's not taken down, uh, and Virgil is an absolute dork at the end of the movie still. Nothing changed, and it's good nope. that nothing changed because mm-hmm. what they changed was terrible. Yeah. <sighs> what's what's the story here if you yeah so (laughs) that's that's what i'm thinking about is that this whole movie was pointless and do it all if you could go back in time is there any single event you'd change for virgil the answer is obvious the first day of high school when he tried to defend a geek from a from a crowd of football players an incident that left both of them social outcasts Fast forward three years and Virgil's the self-described captain of the dorks, jealous of his childhood friend, who's now the football star. Virgil's new best pal is Charlie, aka the geek he saved on day one, who happens to be a scientific genius. When Charlie invents a time machine, they become the Minutemen, repeatedly traveling back in time to protect their fellow dorks from the wanton attacks of school bullies. That's not quite the movie's premise. That's like a scene. (laughs) Yeah, they um they did the classic Disney thing of let's take thirty minutes, take way too long to get to this, and then let's montage our way through the the meat of what people want to see, uh, and then throw in some uh, possible problems and conflict, and wrap this thing up in thirty seconds. Oh, Bryce, I think you're gonna love this next section. Mm-hmm. Is it any good? Minutemen is rife with stereotypes. There are jocks, cheerleaders, and other popular kids, as well as plenty of nerds, geeks, dorks, and other misfits, including Zeke, a hulking social outcast from shop class who's recruited because Virgil and Charlie need someone who's good with tools. The film's strength is the way that it lays out these stereotypes and then tweaks them. When Zeke examines the plans for the time machine, he surprises everyone with his knowledge of advanced physics. Yes, mongo reed he tells virgil and charlie making it clear that he knows he's not he's considered a brain dead loser and simultaneously proving that he's not and as the trio saves other nerds from humiliation the school's dorks and geeks begin to gain confidence upsetting the entire social order for the better though parts of the film are silly and predictable minutemen offers a fun look at what school could be i don't think this person understood or fully watched the movie no they saw the trailer they watched the trailer for it, and they were like, "Da, that's what this is." Uh, no, it was uh, definitely not that. <laughs> uh, here's what we can talk to our kids about. Okay, families can talk about social labels. Do you think the movie's depiction of high school cliques is accurate? How can these labels mm-hmm. be harmful, kids? Do you think anyone has labeled you? How does that feel? Families can also discuss time travel. Why is it such a common plot device? Do you think the characters use their technology wisely? 
Are there any embarrassing moments in your past you would like to change? Uh, son, I want to sit you down after you and I just watched Minutemen and have a deep conversation with you about time travel. It is real. <laughs> it's all real, son. <laughs> Minutemen's just a documentary. Um, so the movie poster, Ren, I'm, I'm looking at, as you're reading this, uh, I just have my IMDb page up still on Minutemen. The yeah. poster says Minutemen starring Jason Dolly. Uh, I'm pretty sure there's three of them. It's three he's characters, the right? Yeah, he's really the, the name of this movie. Uh, wow. All right, Ren, anything else with Minutemen? Uh, other than I'm so glad that we have some good takeaways to have conversations with our future children about regarding this movie. <laughs> All right. Uh, here's, let me, there's a goof. There was one goof that I wanted to point mm-hmm. out. <clears throat> In the scene where we first see the geek's clothes stolen from his locker from the bullies, when he goes upstairs to ask for them back, we see a wanted poster for the snowsuit guys behind the bullies, but nobody knows about them yet because the Minutemen have only used the time machine once and they didn't have the snowsuits yet. When they go back in time to save the geek and he goes upstairs again and the bullies are waiting for him, the wanted poster is gone. Well, what did it mean? uh, This movie didn't understand what time travel was. So it probably, I don't think it's a goof and more so just them very confused about how it works. But I don't know. Um, It is a pretty deep goof, though. They could have fixed it. I hated it. I hated it. Yeah, it wasn't even my least favorite, but I hated it. Yeah, I I was looking forward to watching it and was disappointed, was let down by what we had in front of us. Uh, but don't worry, Ren, because Hatching Pete is right is right here right now. And we have to review it for we have to review Minutemen first. Oh, like give it a an out of ten? Yeah. Um all right. I mean I'm going with it too. Yeah, I feel like uh compared to read it and weep, I I'd give it like a two point five. Yeah. It was better than read it and weep. For oh, I me. thought it was worse. <laughs> I mean this at least had like moments of action. Read and Weep was just Read and Weep had, like Read and Weep felt like the bare minimum of a movie though. Minutemen <laughs> couldn't even true. hit that. <laughs> which um which high school would you most want to go to? Uh the one in which we see in the world of Read and Weep or the one in Minutemen? Well, Bryce, I'm about to blow your mind that the exact same high school Oh, they're the same. The set. same buildings. Yeah. Hmm. Interesting. Um, I wouldn't want to live in either of these worlds. <laughs> they, no, I don't. Miserable. I I'm not super interested. In also, I know we're about to talk about hatching pee, but we we didn't mention how bad the pizza looked in Read It and Weep. <laughs> like just the cheese, not even the toppings. It just mm-hmm. looked like a bad. Even without the toppings, it would have been a bad pizza. When you're a prop department and your job is to pump out 50 pizzas without a pizza oven, Ren, you gotta do what you gotta do. I guess that's a good uh, so, point. So they, they did their very best here. And they did look terrible. Without the toppings, no one wants those pizzas. But I'm also like, I watch Survivor and they'll do like Fijian pizza. 
as a reward. And like that pizza wren looks abysmal. Uh, one time they gave away a mountain of pizza on Survivor. So like, I feel like because of that, my idea of terrible looking pizza in media is a little bit skewed. Yeah. Um, Cause I've seen, I've seen mountains of pizza and it's not a pretty sight. Uh, Hatching Pete. The worst one. The worst one. <laughs> I can't wait to like destroy Mitchell Musso, Ren. I could spend this entire conversation talking about Mitchell Musso. He is a... We're talking about black holes in Minutemen. The real black hole is Mitchell Musso's acting ability. He has he no range. Sucks life out of every scene he's in. He's like slimy and greasy. And like, I, I hate him. I simply mm-hmm. hate having to look at him speak. And I don't know if this is something innate to Mitchell Musso or just the way he was directed or how he acts, but my God. I, this was like, I don't know if this was maybe like towards the end of his time with Disney Channel. So he was really just phoning this in. Like yeah. the my impression, and I had no reason to believe this. I knew nothing about this movie going into it. My impression was that we would get a really awesome like friendship dynamic between these two leads of Jason Dolly and Mitchell Musso. What we got is Jason Dolly carrying an entire film on his back. Uh, and <laughs> Mitchell, Mitchell Musso is dragging, is yeah. drowning it in exactly. the bathtub. Yes, he is. He's actively holding it down in the tub while Jason Dolly is like struggling to get air. Like this this movie was bad with or without Mitchell Musso. It was never going to be a good movie, but Mitchell Musso made it so much worse. Awful. And his character starts the movie with allergies. And I don't know, something about that just made me instantly dislike him. Me too. Um, the, it's, it's another thing. His introduction is awful. One mm-hmm. of the worst ways that you can get to know a character because th- nothing is done to make him likable. What we see well, is him flopping around as the chicken, sneezing, mm-hmm. leering at girls. <laughs> like, everyone hates him to a degree where you kind of have to stop and ask, all right, this isn't just like the bullies picking on no. you know, the nerd situation. He, he has done something. He has yes. merited this behavior. He's slimy. He's disliked by all. Jason Dolly, who's supposedly his best friend, like, Jason Dolly's character doesn't really interact with anyone at the school, right? That's kind of his storyline. Yeah, like, everyone thinks he's a new kid. He has no presence whatsoever. And so, uh, Mitchell Musso's character, uh, but hold on, let's just say their names just that way we can. So it's Pete is played by Jason Dolly, and Cletus is (laughs) the character played by Mitchell Musso. Cletus in and of it, like, that name. Cletus Poole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Pete, Pete uh, Ivy and Cletus Poole. Their friendship is one of the worst defined friendships mm-hmm. I've ever seen in a movie. And I know I've been throwing out a lot of worsts I've ever seen in a movie tonight mm-hmm. a lot, but Hatching Pete just brought it to a completely different level. This is a movie inherently about how far Pete will go for Cletus, his best friend. Mm-hmm. It's never established their dynamic. All we know is that they've known each other since they're kids. All their scenes together have Cletus being a colossal dickhead to Pete, who is really just like trying to live his life as best he mm-hmm. can. 
while Cletus Listen. repeatedly disrespects him at every turn. Mm-hmm. Pete just wants to trampoline in, in peace. That's all he wants to do. Jason Dolly had some good flips. Mm-hmm. I'll give him that. <laughs> oh, that, yeah. So the movie general overview, as we talk about these characters, uh, Cletus is the current generation in a long family line of uh, mascots at the local high school. The mascots name. The line actually isn't that long. It's like his dad's generation of his siblings and his grandpa. Yeah. And so is so Uh, he feels like it has to be him. Uh, They play Brewster the rooster. um, Who's maybe a chicken as well as parts kind of vague. Uh, well, they the always movie. chant chicken. Yeah. They couldn't think of anything clever to chant, so they just chant <laughs> chicken. chicken. <laughs> yeah, what they did for those extras is they um, they went outside of Popeye's uh, right before it opened. They said, hey, uh, we will give you your food for free if you come into the stadium. And they put him in there and they just let him sit for hours until they started chanting. So they got the golden shots. Uh, so uh he cletus is allergic to the suit uh the brewster suit and that's when he somehow convinces pete to get into the suit uh pete is a previous gymnastics uh competitor like competitive gymnastics gymnast and so because of that he has a lot of like skills uh he also like naturally feels more goofy in the suit so people really latch on to the mascot even though the team that they're all rooting for is uh not stellar the basketball team uh and then because of the mounting pressures of having to be uh not reveal his identity because cletus still pretends that he is brewster um and pete is pretty much completely unknown that pressure gets mounted between the both of them uh and it gets revealed that cletus is no longer in the chicken suit and then uh we get about 40 minutes of bring back the chicken and then the chicken comes back and that's patching Pete in a nutshell or in an eggshell. I mean, you can live your whole life in a shell or mm-hmm. you can hatching Pete. Yeah. Uh, so in the first 10 minutes, Ren, yeah. we get like, I felt like the first 10 minutes were just a gold mine of content in terms of we get Pete uh so we get the the cletus just harassing people at the game like you already said yeah in the chicken suit he is awful in the chicken suit pete asking out cletus's sister which is a storyline that is essentially dropped i Um, really thought it would be such a bigger point yes and so like i think the only reason why they show that to us is to show us that pete is like an absolute loser with a capital l yeah Right. Like he can't even ask out his best friend's sister. Uh, and he is unrecognized like by a teacher at school who's doing like check-ins at the game, which is not a thing that happens at that like sports games, but that's okay. Um, and then we get, he goes home. He's like, Pete's not feeling himself. He trampolines a bunch. Dad's like girl problems. Uh, and then Cletus comes in to uh, see them. Cletus hits on Pete's mom. And they, like, his parents remind 
Pete's parents remind Cletus to call them Mr. and Mrs. Ivy. Yeah, they, do they not, don't like not Cletus. on a first name basis. No. Uh, and Cletus tells Pete that he's got to help him out. He's he has a big problem. He needs money, five hundred dollars. And I'm like, okay, this I don't know where this is going, but this is going to be interesting. Finally, he doesn't really need the money. Cletus then tells Pete, uh, I'm dying. And Pete's like, really? And Cletus is like, really? I wish he were dying. Like, I wish not, that's the direction this movie went in. That And so, Ren, I thought that that's, that is where this was going. For a hot second, I completely bought into, we're about to get a movie about Mitchell Musso's character who's dying, has some terminal illness, whatever. Um, and him passing on the chicken to Pete or whatever, and Pete making it his own. They have that this friendship. Been a hilarious podcast episode. Uh, yeah. So that I mean, sounds like so much better of a movie than what we got. And so then Cletus immediately jumps in. He's like, "I'm dying in the in the rooster costume in the in the costume. I have my allergies." And I was like, "Oh my gosh!" Uh, so he gave us nothing, and this is just the first ten minutes. We get all of this. It's jam packed with just. Uh, abysmal direction these awful characters uh, and sets us up for a ride that no one's invested in so uh, there's like also a big camaraderie around the fans of this basketball team they love this shitty team and it's strange like I if the crowd were bigger, I might buy into this more. But where it's a crowd of 20, I feel like the characters that we focus on are just sad. Uh, it's These are our parents who are coming to the games. Pete's parents go to every single game. Their son does not play on the team. They don't know their son is in the, the rooster costume. They have no reason to be frequently attending this high school's basketball games. Wow, it didn't dwell on me just how pathetic that really is. Like it's, it's sad, and they have custom. I I can assume custom made T-shirts, uh, because there's 20 people in the stands. They're not turning a profit selling these T-shirts for this team that never wins a game. Uh, and with them, so they always sit with Cletus's parents, and the dad's always like, "That's my Cletus. That's my boy." In the chicken costume. Um. And then we get this lady who I was like, is she into the chickens? Is she rooting against the chickens? I don't get it. Do you know who I'm talking about? The the spectator, the woman in the stand? Yes. Yep. I just, this stupid movie, it's, it's, so, it's so hard for me to wrap my brain around it. <laughs> well, here's something that I'm sure you can wrap your brain around. Uh, the nerdy character of Arwen is going to play an intense basketball coach. Uh, the, the same actor. star of this film. Every gonna... scene with him was like, the only time I was ever actually engaged in the movie is when <laughs> Arwen was just losing his mind. Yes. Uh, so we're referring to Arwen from The Sweet Life of Zack and Cody. He's the mechanic in that show. The actor's name is Brian Stepanek. Uh, he plays Coach Mackey. In this movie, it is impossible to see him as someone other than Arwen, though. It um, adds a very, it adds it adds another layer to the already horrible locker room scene. Yeah, such as <laughs> when. What do you mean, Ren? Are, are you saying that when 
uh, Coach Mackey says, uh, quote unquote, uh, hold on, I wrote it down and I really, I don't want to mess it up. Oh, thank um, God you wrote it down. Uh, when he says to the three boys who are bullying uh, Cletus, he says, you touch a feather on his head, you'll go three rounds with me. This this high school basketball coach says to three players on his team, "What does that mean? Like in a in a boxing ring?" I, I, mean, I guess I guess we're gonna beat the shit out of him. But, but then so, he, gets, he gets really intensely close with Cletus, and the and vibe says, is, it just turns even more sinister. He says, "I'm gonna play patty cake with your face to Cletus." I don't like that. I, that's a very bad, bad thing to say to a child. Like, and so I understand. And so, because Cletus is, says to Arwen or Coach Mackey, whatever we want to call him, like, thank you for saving me. Like, thanks for helping me out. And he's like, I don't like you. Uh, I don't like what you are doing. I don't like your scheme. And I'm going to play patty cake with your face. And this is so unwarranted. <laughs> uh, especially as... Yeah. You really feel his hate towards Mitchell Musso. <laughs> so uh, they met uh, at the Disney Channel games in which uh, Brian Stepanek hosted. Yeah. Uh, you, uh, you know what I'm, the Disney yes, Channel I, I games, you know what this is. Talking about. Okay. Um, and so Jason Dolly's there, Mitchell Musso's there, as is Brian Stepanek, who's, who's the host of it. I assume that backstage... Uh, or in between shoots, Mitchell Musso gave Brian an absolute hell of a time, and Brian only signed on to this project if it meant telling Mitchell Musso that he would patty cake his face. Mitchell, Mitchell Musso definitely causes Jared Leto levels of mischief on set. He de- yeah, <laughs> he um sending dead rats to his uh acting <laughs> Pete co-stars. Yep, smashing a bunch of eggs in a box and then mailing them. Um, <laughs> Yeah, uh, can't wait to hatch Pete with you, he says to Jason Dolly. So, okay, so we get get all of these characters established. Um, and then the principal is here. He's a, uh, an odd character. He's uh, very he's into... Weird. He's, like, very into the rooster. He likes to remind Coach Mackey about how, especially as the chicken gets more popular, that they're only making money because of the chicken. Uh, and that he potentially might replace the coach. So it's a big threat. Um, any, I mean, like what else is there here, Ren? Uh, well, Musso well, well, they gets arrested. The entire uh, subplot from The Dark Knight. <laughs> which that element. So which one? The whole like, uh, uh, the, the part about anyone can be we'll the chicken. Back. Yeah. <laughs> And yep. like what the chicken represents above all else, the meaning of the chicken. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's. We spend far too much of this movie with no one in the chicken costume, like uh, them retiring the chicken costume, and we spend about thirty minutes of characters being like, "So who's the chicken? Who's in the mask? I want to know who's in the mask." Uh, we get Jessica, uh, or in this she's called Angela, but uh, the new girl from um from the episode of Cory in the house let's see if i can remember that episode does the slam poem 
Yeah, what's the name of it? I wonder if I can get it off the top of my head. Uh, something about smart. Uh, get smarter. Get smarter. Um, yep. And so we get, she's here now. She's playing opposite of uh, Jason Dolly here as well. So they have that established chemistry here. She's also playing pretty much the same character type. Basically. Uh, she's like, the new girl. Same. Yep. Um, she is swept off her feet literally by the chicken. And because of that, she falls for Cletus. Well, it's and- not because of that that she falls for Cletus. She falls for Cletus because Pete stops, does his whole little romantic routine where he gives her a flower and then disappears without ever specifying that he's anyone other than Cletus. Like, that's... In, in a stupid movie, that might be the single dumbest thing anyone did. Like, why didn't Pete just take that moment to say, like, hey, it's me? Yeah. So, I mean, I think Pete didn't want anyone to know that he was the chicken. But he point. clearly... But the thing is, he clearly likes Angela... And he's clearly doing this to impress her, but he's not registering the fact that he's Cletus. There's just a yeah. layer to the whole exchange here that it doesn't work, given mm-hmm. how their relationship pans out. It's hard out. for him to think about. I am the chicken. No, I am the I am the chicken. Like the whole reason Stop. he's doing this is to impersonate Cletus. So why do this for Angela as Cletus? Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think he does it, like, I, I think he just doesn't, to your point, I, I don't think he realizes the layers. Um, he does it, it's like a sweet moment that he is doing here, but he doesn't realize that she's going to just think that it's Cletus. And then he gets kind of pissy with Cletus because of that. Yeah. Right, because Jessica thinks that it's, or whatever her name is, Angela, because Angela thinks that the chicken is Cletus because that's I mean that's what everyone thinks it's the only mm-hmm. reasonable thing to think yeah uh, we get the girl who starts to date Cletus because she thinks he's the chicken <laughs> as well you, you know that mascot hype yeah girls so just love even... the mascot <laughs> it makes me think of um of Mean Girls, uh, the musical. I don't know. I don't know if it's in the movie or not. But the line about uh, how every every day uh, she hooks up with what's his face in the lion's costume, mm-hmm. and uh, the main character is like, "Oh, like she makes him wear the costume," and it's like, "No, they're both in the costume." So I don't know. People Speaking do of them both the being mascot. in the costume. How did yeah. you feel about the scene where it's revealed that uh, Mitchell Musso is in the chicken suit the one time they unmask him? Uh, I thought that was wild. Why? Why? Because why would he have been in the chicken suit? Why didn't they just? Well, here's the thing: they were both inside. One was facing backwards, the other was facing forwards. But only only one head can come out of the top at a time. Wait, what? Ren? That's that's my theory. No, I think <laughs> no, no, no. no. That, that's My a big theory. enough chicken suit where they're both inside of it. So Jason Dolly drives to this other high school um, right after school, right? So the game's at six o'clock. Jason Dolly goes there. He hides out in the janitor's closet for four hours. No one no one went into this closet. The janitor was not doing his job. No, but Jason, he probably locks it. Jason Dolly locks it, and then the janitor has the key, but every time the janitor goes to unlock it, Jason Dolly just locks locks it from the other side again. 
the janitor <laughs> eventually has a heart attack, not understanding yeah, and, what's happening. Then, and then Jason Dolly moves the body. So, like, that's just what I'm figuring um, happened here. And so they go to this other school, and Mitchell Musso, was, he's going to wear the costume. They're going to do their uh, swap in the janitor closet. And it's after this, so they uh, goes, does the routine, and then it's after this that they swap again, right? And, um... Yes. Mitchell Musso comes out of the janitor closet just in time to see Angela, who's waiting for him, and then he almost kisses her. Yeah, but, uh, it's okay, because uh, Pete stops him by smashing his head into the wall. (laughs) Yeah. And then, uh, so what I I liked here, the reason why I wanted to, to mention this is um, Mitchell Musso's character, Cletus, then screams, like, at the the closet. Uh, He yells that Superman doesn't back out. Okay? So if you're Angela, uh, this is, is like, uh, very concerning, right? Well, if I were Angela, I'd be as much concerned about the fact that Cletus is talking about Superman and Clark Kent, like, they're two friends... And not the exact same person, same person. with an alter ego. <laughs> uh, so all of this is going to come crumbling down when at the parade, the infamous chicken parade that this town has a budget for. Uh, <laughs> I don't know what this was. The sheriff is there. We meet the sheriff and uh, we, the chicken, so this is, Pete in the chicken costume decides of all random people in the crowd to bring Cletus up on stage. Right. And Cletus is in like a cowboy outfit in a massive cowboy hat and mustache. They fall off after they're done singing and dancing and it gets revealed. If Cletus is there, who's in the chicken costume? Get him. Mm hmm. Get a chase scene. But I like that Jason Dolly, uh, Pete here, puts on his seatbelt before hijacking the sheriff's car. Be safe. Yeah. Smart. Smart about it. Uh, and so then they arrest Cletus. They're, what did Cletus do here to warrant a, an arrest? He was not in the chicken suit. He lied. <laughs> what, he, he lied about he lied? the chicken. And in, in this world, the, the lie, that's arrest-worthy. Do you disagree? Uh, I mean, it's, it's a very short sentence, right? He's, we see him out of jail, like, in the next scene. But he is, we do see the police be like, all right, we're taking him downtown. Yeah. Um, so I guess I agree. Yeah. It's worth arresting him because he lied. Um, but... Pete, who steals the sheriff's car, he gets, he's fine. He's gonna get a full pardon. Yeah, where does he leave the sheriff's car? Where did he go? <laughs> yeah, I, just, I mean, we see him, he, he gets home, I think, and then, like, takes off the chicken hat, because he drives, of course you drive the sheriff car with the chicken hat still on. So I don't, he has to do, he probably ditches it in the woods and then they find the car a few days later. That sounds I right. Just, I, yeah. Um, yeah, so hatching Pete, Ren. This is like, that. that's the big moment. And then they build a whole, a light. Uh, we get a gender impersonating the chicken at one point who also gets arrested. Um, 
so I don't know. What a horrible movie. It's it's pretty rough. And uh, in the end, they have a dance party and everyone's happy. It's he reveal Pete reveals himself in the end. He lets everyone know that he's the chicken. Like kind of going back on the whole message that anyone can be the chicken. It was Pete. It was specifically Pete. <laughs> Pete was the chicken. Deep down, we're all just chickens, Ren. <laughs> um, so important insight. Jenna texted me and said, uh, no, he didn't bring him up. Angela did. So just uh, for context here, uh, I guess that it wasn't uh, Pete who brought Cletus up. I guess Angela was the one who, out of all people, chose Cletus to bring up. So... <sighs> Yeah, it, it was exhausting. I didn't really care about these characters. Is this Jason Dolly's uh, best work? It's it's so hard to... I'm like... I'll be sincere about the movie. Mm-hmm. But it's so hard to critically look at something like Jason Dolly's performance when it's surrounded by so much filth. Like, in terms of script, in terms of directing. He's playing off just horrible horrible actors mitchell musso is draining (laughs) everything like all the life out Mm -hmm. of every scene he's in and it's it's the way he carries himself too he's clearly disengaged clearly has no passion for what he's doing it doesn't even feel like he wants to be an actor it 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 always seems like he could be doing something better rent i um it's funny you say that so a trivia from hatching pete uh, every day of shooting, so Hatching Pete was filmed um, over the course of uh, 15 days. Every day, they removed 5% of Mitchell Musso's blood from his body. <laughs> and so by the, by the end, I mean, 12 times 5, you only had, you had 40% of his blood left in him. So he was really, which is why you could tell in the end, he was um, pretty stiff. Draining Mitch. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. They would take the blood and then they put it into um our <laughs> make him make his performance so, more virile. Which is why, yeah, which is why at the end Arwen had one hundred sixty percent um amount of red blood cells in his body. Uh, so and um, I hope that 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 kind of gives a better reason as to why Mitchell Musso is the way he is here. But uh, no, it's it is it's bothersome that Jason Dolly is the highest, highest high point in Corey in the House. And, I mean, in that show, he's not surrounded by a ton of greatness, but there's at least some some good things going on there. The Corey in the House plays to his strengths. Mm-hmm. But none of these movies do that. No, and he, he's playing very different characters. So these movies, we see him as the, uh, like, just what, the, the likable guy. Like, he's, he's such a blah person he he doesn't play into really any archetypes yeah he's uh the person who they want you to be able to see yourself in um he is the at least in Minutemen and here he's like um he's like a nice guy right that's that's his thing of like i'm a nice guy so like i should get the girl like i should do this like i'm i'm a nice dude and um in cory in the house i really like that he is someone completely different. Like he's a very specific character 
And he definitely has a lot more fun and I would think a lot more energy with what he's doing in Cory in the House. It seems like, if nothing else, it seems like he enjoys being on Cory in the House. Exactly. Yeah. Um, so I do feel bad for him in Hatching Pete, though. Like, actually stopping to think, like, because it's mm-hmm. clear he's trying to give a, a good, a, he's trying to give a, a performance. He's trying to be mm-hmm. an actor. He wants to act. He wants to do this movie as well as he can. Mm-hmm. So I, I tried looking. So. No, Mitchell, Mitchell just brings it all down. Yeah, I was, um, to, to that point, I tried looking it up. I couldn't find it. Do we think Jason Dolly is in the costume for the stunts? Or at all? Well, is that really him flipping at the beginning of the movie? Because it's not a, it's it's a pretty full body cut, but also yeah. his face is in shadow. So it couldn't it could not be him, but it also could be him. Mm-hmm. I'll I will say this: I don't think it's him in the chicken suit at all. Definitely not. ever. Like or just maybe, when it, maybe just for, when he's doing tricks. Maybe for when he has to talk to people and interact, mm-hmm. but not for the tricks. Okay. Yeah, I, so. I, I wasn't sure, and I, I don't think that they would like. Why put him in the chicken suit if you can have an like uh, a professional? Yeah. Do it. Right. Okay. Uh, what are the reviews of Hatching Pete? Is this something that we should like? That the kids are gonna like? What conversations am I gonna have with my kids about this movie? Common Lessons. sense media gave it a four out of five. 80%. Not bad. Emily Ashby again. She re- she reviewed Read It and Weep. Mm-hmm. For educational value, she gave it a 1 out of 5. No specific educational content, but kids will learn important lessons about friendship and believing in yourself. <clears throat> Positive messages, 4 out of 5. A teen overcomes his fears of being in the spotlight and finds the self-confidence to come out of his shell. Mm. Positive role models and representations, 3 out of 5. Parents are involved and supportive. Poole's actions sometimes seem self-serving and manipulative. For example, he uses Pete's hopes for a date with his sister as leverage to to persuade him to secretly take over as mascot. But he owns up to his mistakes, makes amends with Pete, and becomes his biggest supporter. (laughs) Violence and scariness, one out of five. Some comic pratfalls and a cheerleader suffers a bloody nose after a collision with with a basketball player sexy stuff one out of five some mild flirting between teens and one innocent kiss sexy (laughs) stuff (laughs) i gotta crack a window (laughs) what parents need to know parents need to know that this entertaining squeaky clean disney movie has plenty of positive messages Pete's journey from uncertainty to self-confidence is an excellent example for tweens struggling with their own identity woes. And the movie offers lots for parents and their kids to discuss about friends and peer pressure. Content-wise, there's little to worry about aside from some mild flirting that results in a brief kiss. Mm. What's the story? Pete Ivy is the type of guy who's easily overlooked in the school halls, unlike his boisterous best friend, Cletus Poole, who's proudly carrying on the family tradition of spreading school spirit as the spirited Brewster Hyde chicken. But when the costume prompts, but when the costume prompts an allergy attack, Poole begs Pete to take his place at center court. The resulting anonymity frees Pete to discover his inner star. Trouble is, it's Poole who's getting all the attention from fans who thinks he's the one behind the mask. 
Meanwhile, Pete's attempts to get noticed by pretty new girl Angela are complicated by the fact that she's also entranced with the mysterious man in the chicken suit. In the end, Pete must decide whether facing the possibility of rejection is worth revealing himself for what and who he really is. We never, we never, we never talked about Angela's boyfriend from Houston. <laughs> <laughs> like, why? Why even include her having a boyfriend from Houston? I genuinely just, couldn't tell if he was real at times. No, just so Pete could be like, so how's that boy from Houston? Um, I liked his initial moves. I gotta be honest of like, hey, like uh, I can give you a ride home. And then she was like, no, I'll walk. And he's like, okay, I'll walk too. And she's like, but your car. And he's like, ah, it's a good exercise, right? He was off to it was, a uh, I, yeah, I feel like they had a, a good thing going. And then once he, in the chicken costume, like flirted with her, I feel like it threw everything off. But she doesn't she stay at one point, like in the end, doesn't she like, I knew it was you the whole time. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I don't think she did. She, de- she, she only knew the moment he lifted up the chicken hat, like right above his lips. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, she's like. She's, she's lying. She's oh. Lying. Mm-hmm. She's like, I don't know who's in that chicken suit, but whoever it is, I'm going to kiss him. Right. I know. Well, the guy, yeah, the guy in Houston never did that for her. Put on a chicken costume, lifted her, and then gave her a flower. Nope. Um, what, uh, do they say talking points for our kids? They do, but I have one more section to go through before we get there. Yeah, okay. Anyone who's ever faced an identity crisis will find a hero in Pete. And Disney veteran Dolly's performance as the uncertain teen makes it easy to root for this lovable underdog. The movie's premise could easily be cheesy enough for par- to put parents off, but the talented young cast makes the story surprisingly enjoyable for a range of age groups. Entertainment value aside, Hatching Pete also offers substance for its family, and especially tween viewers. Strong messages about self-respect, self-confidence, friendship, and honesty permeate the story line, making it a great tool for jumpstarting family discussions on social issues that affect kids and tweens. And Pete and Angela's developing relationship is cast in a positive light, reminding kids that, in the end, the most effective way to earn people's respect is to just be yourself. Talk to your kids about. Families can talk about kids' relationships with their peers. Kids, have you ever felt, like Pete, that people don't notice you? Do you want to be noticed? If so, what do you do to make that happen? Do you ever feel pressure to behave or believe a certain way because of what your friends are doing? Why is it so hard to stand up to peer pressure? Who do you turn to for support? These are like the same questions from movie to movie. Yeah, they are. Well, it's pretty much because it's the same movie three (laughs) times that we watched. Right. Like even we watched one of the time travel, Ren, and it was still pretty much the same thing. Basically, it the, the Disney Channel formula. Yeah, it makes me think about, like, is, is it all Disney Channel original movies that are like this? Or is it really just this era? Like, I think it has this time to be frame. this era. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't remember Disney Channel movies. Like, I won't, go, I won't say that I don't remember Disney Channel movies being this bad. Because I was a kid. You know, maybe they were mm-hmm. this bad. But I don't remember yeah. them being like this. They at least yeah. felt like films half the time. And they weren't this derivative of themselves and definitely not on a yearly basis. No. Just uh, just shallow enough 
to pass as a movie. I love uh, I loved your message that was like uh, that you sent to me, which was like, "Why is Minutemen ninety eight minutes long?" <laughs> I was like, so upset. Like, friend, that is like less than the average length of a, a movie. Usually, like, these, like a, a regular movie, movie should be sixty five to seventy minutes. <laughs> is it they 90? do not warrant the hour and a half like length that they somehow all got it i guess minutemen did a lot with their extra time though and by that i mean they saved any closure for a 60 second scene at the end <laughs> just threw it all at the wall uh what do you what do you rate hatching pete oh my god this is such a tough mm-hmm. one yeah. i'm i'm torn between a one and a 0. 0.5 <laughs> yeah I'm mean, gonna go the point five, but in yeah, honor, it's a point five in honor of Mitchell Musso. So I'll, I'm gonna do a one here. A yeah, I Mitchell Musso is the worst thing that's ever happened to Disney Channel. I say that with absolutely no doubt in my mind. And Ren, I have great news for you. He is the the co-star of Life Is Rough with Kyle Massey. No. So, <laughs> We will get oh. more Mitchell Musso to come on this podcast. Yes. He and of, of course, if we watch the Hannah Montana episode, um, I, I mean, I haven't watched it, but I'm assuming he's in it. He must be. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. he He's abysmal. And I don't know what he's up to now, but I don't believe he's acting. I can only pray not. Let's. How many Twitter followers do you think Mitchell Musso has? 8,000. Okay. Versus Jason Dolly, who has... Mitchell Musso has 1.7 million followers. No way! He hasn't tweeted since February, though, where he said, creativity is a gift you won't always have, so if you do, use it, nurture it, protect it. I hate this guy. (laughs) Is he... Do we think he's willing to come on the podcast? And... Because uh, here's the thing, you and I are very close-minded to him, but if he comes on the podcast, maybe he could turn our minds around. Right? I think if he were to come onto this podcast, things would spiral out of control so fast <laughs> that we wouldn't have enough content for a full hour because he would disconnect. <laughs> and he'd, he'd just keep reconnecting and disconnecting. He would like say something... He'd say something that would get to one of us, and then from there, it would just be a Mitchell Musso beatdown. Come on, Zoom, and tell us that uh, he's allergic <laughs> to technology and so he's really struggling. <laughs> then tell us he's dying, uh, and then he'd say something like, dying to get off the Zoom call. Uh, I know he didn't write his own lines, um, and I there's a possible chance, Ren, that it's just the direction and the writing, but I don't think... <laughs> I, the Mitchell Musso of it all. There's too many things that have to do with him that made this movie bad. He just had a look in his eyes that mm-hmm. screamed just bad news. Get me out of here. Get me off set, please. I do not want to run into this guy backstage. Nope. All right. Uh, anything else with these movies? We didn't... Uh, one other thing, Minutemen, we didn't mention Jason Dolly has braces. Oh, but it makes sense. That's right. It's three years. It's early. a time jump. Okay. Sorry. Now I feel I feel silly. <laughs> um, but you, uh, I 
does he have braces in all of those scenes in the beginning? Yeah, he does. Okay. Hmm. I'll have to go back and double check that one. Cause I, uh, I watched that first scene twice, not knowing that there was a time jump. So I was really thrown off by the braces. Yeah. But okay. Um, anything else? then with these movies are you all jason dolly doubt dolly day i would not call it a success well it was like i mean we did it we we got through we endured mm-hmm. we, we endured we definitely dolly did. day we watched three movies for him uh they were, bad. They were bad movies they were bad movies i think life is rough is gonna be better um you think so I think so. I think Life is Rough is going to be better. Underdog is going to be uh, the truest wild card. It will? Yeah. Uh, and I love that we're watching it because of how disconnected it is to anything having to do with what we podcast about. <laughs> but unfortunately, you and I did improv together. And so I just yes and uh, far too much. <laughs> the Kyle watching Underdog. It is. Yeah. He, his rap career is one that we have to follow with great interest. Um. So yeah, so that is is it then for our show tonight. We will be podcasting next week again about Corey in the house. Feels like it's been so long. It's only been a week, Ren, because we did we did do a, a Corey in the house episode last week. Yeah, but um, I mean, I'm looking forward to getting back in the White House personally. It's Newt won't be there, but after today, I'm not sure if that'll be such a bad thing. Maybe I need a little break. Yeah, yeah. I think it'll do us all well. Um, we will be uh, watching "Uninvited Pest" uh, is the name of the episode, season two, episode seven. So we will watch that and see what it has has to do with. That name makes me think of the rat um, of Lionel, but we've already had a Lionel centric episode, so who knows. With that, thank you all so much for listening. Um, You can like us on our Facebook page, on our uh, Twitter, and we will engage with y'all there. Uh, Talks of us having an Instagram page. Uh, More on that to come. Uh, Thank you all so much for listening and for hanging with us on Dolly Day. And I hope that you have yourself a great Dolly Day. And uh, take care and have a great rest of your day. Have a great night at the uh, anti-Mitchell Musso fan club. Brazen Randy reminds him electric guitar.